0: Here's Thomas saying, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And Jesus rebukes him and he says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And this is after the resurrection. He said, blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe? I want to talk about living above sea level, S-E-E, the level that we can see at. In other words, not going by sight, but going by faith, living by faith. Living above sea level. I said a moment ago to the world, seeing is believing. But to a Christian, believing is seeing through eyes of faith. We just believe it because God said so.
1: The Bible says that the gospel of Christ is the power of God unto salvation. Welcome to Pulpit Power, featuring Pastor Tony Skeving, Senior Pastor of Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. Today's message was previously preached before a church audience. And now, here's Pastor Skevin.
0: Let's take our Bibles, please, and turn to the book of Hebrews, if you would, the 11th chapter, Hebrews chapter 11. Somebody asked me a question this last week as I was teaching in Bible college, and they they said, Pastor, uh, what subjects do you like to teach on the most? And I rattled off a couple and then it came to me, one I really like to preach and teach about is faith, faith, faith. Now the world says seeing is believing, right? But a Christian says believing is seeing through eyes of faith. And so we're going to be talking about faith today from the great faith chapter in the Bible, Hebrews chapter 11. Let's look at the first six verses here. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. For by it the elders obtained a good report. Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. By faith Abel offered unto God a more excellent sacrifice than Cain by which he obtained witness that he was righteous, God testifying of his gifts, and by it he, that is Cain, being dead yet speaketh. By faith Enoch was translated that he should not see death and was not found because God had translated him. For before his translation he had this testimony that he pleased God. Now watch verse 6. But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is, and that he is a rewarder of them that diligently seek him. Great, great, great verse here. I'm going to talk today about seeing above, or living above sea level. (laughs) And no, I didn't misspell it. Living above S-E-E, the level that we can see, and otherwise, in other words, living by faith, seeing with eyes of faith. Let's pray before we begin. Our Heavenly Father, we ask You, dear Lord, now to bless this time in Your Word, and, and we pray now that Thou wouldest just help us to be people of faith, to live by faith, knowing that it's by faith that You are pleased. We pray now and ask these things in Jesus' precious name. Amen. Back in 1986, I had the privilege of going over to the Holy Land, And there in the Holy Land, you can go to the very lowest spot on the whole earth, the Dead Sea. I've never felt so low in my life, by the way. But it's actually 1,388 feet below sea level. Then you can go to Denver, Denver, Colorado, for a Rocky Mountain High. It's the Mile High City because it's actually 5,280 feet above sea level. And then you can live in the Red River Valley, where the average is about 900 feet above sea level. And and all sea level is, is a barometer of elevation. It kind of tells us, using the sea or the ocean as the standard, it tells us roughly how high we are or how low we are, wherever we are in the world. Well, I want to talk about living above sea level, S-E-E, the level that we can see at. In other words, not going by sight, but Going by faith, living by faith, living above sea level. I said a moment ago to the world, seeing is believing. But to a Christian, believing is seeing through eyes of faith. We just believe it because God said so. In John 20 and verse number 29, Jesus saith unto him, Thomas, Because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. Blessed are they that have not seen And yet, have believed. Notice where the blessing is. It's on really you and me because we haven't seen the Lord. Here's Thomas saying, I'm not going to believe it unless I see it. And Jesus rebukes him and he says, Thomas, because thou hast seen me, thou hast believed. And this is after the resurrection. He said, Blessed are they that have not seen and yet have believed. Do you believe? If you do, you're blessed. The Lord said, Blessed are they which have not seen and yet have believed. You know, the Bible says also over in First Peter 1 and verse 8, Speaking of Christ, Whom having not seen, you love. In whom though now you see Him not, yet believing, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. Notice, you see Him not, yet you believe, and as a result, you rejoice with joy unspeakable. Both of these verses are saying something that you're not going to see God. You're not going to feel God as far as touching him. That's kind of a a problem for some, not being able to see the invisible. In fact, the African impala has a problem. The African impala actually is a a creature that can jump 10 feet high and 30 feet long with very little running start. Yet you can encage him, you can put him in a zoo, and hold him in with nothing more than a four-foot fence. You know why? Because the African impala will not jump anywhere where it can't see where its feet are going to land. And so it sits in this prison of its own making, really, easily able to get out, but not having the faith to jump. Reminds me of a lot of Christian people. I mean, there's there's something out there, but they won't take that leap of faith. So let's talk about faith from this passage here. And as I look at this, I see, first of all, what I call the words analysis of faith. The Word is the Bible. What's the Bible's analysis of faith? Well, it tells us in verse 1. It says, Now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. Here's God describing faith. And it's absolutely simple. In fact, it's amazing to me how people will not believe something so simple as faith. Actually, it amazes me how people won't believe the truth. Friend, we have been wired to worship. Never forget that. We know there's somebody bigger than us. God's put that within us. We're born with it, this desire to worship. The animals don't have that. Only man has that. We know there's something higher, and God has wired us to believe in something. So Christians come along, and they witness to folks, and they tell them God's simple plan of salvation. It's by, by putting our faith and our trust in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ. But you have people and they're trusting in other things out there. They're trusting in their baptism to save them. They're trusting in their good works to save them. They're trusting in some kind of a, a ritual and, and some kind of a list that they have of things that some very outrageous that they think they have to do or believe in in order to get to heaven. Well, the fact is God has wired us to believe in something. And yet, when you give people the truth, most of them reject it. And that goes hand in hand with what Christ said in Matthew 7. The road to hell is broad and wide, many are on it. The road to heaven is straight and narrow, and few there be that find it. Salvation is so simple. It's by faith. It's not by some explanation. It's not by some statistics. It's not by some records or some figures or or science or math or anything like that. It's by faith. It's by placing all of our faith in the finished work of Jesus Christ on Calvary's cross and trusting only what he did on that cross to save us. It's a change of mind. It's a change of heart. It's a recognition of our sinfulness. It's a desire to turn from our sin to the Savior. But it's basically calling upon the Lord and asking him to save us and meaning it. And it makes so much sense. And yet, most people reject it. You figure You know, I'm amazed that people don't believe the gospel. But what's more amazing to me is what they turn to, what they actually do believe, what they swallow. Somebody says, I I don't believe in anything. You're lying. We're all going to believe in something. The bottom line is there's no such thing as being spiritually neutral. And if you turn from the truth, there's nowhere else to turn but to a lie. Bible says in 2 Timothy 4.4, 4, that they shall turn away their ears from the truth and shall be turned unto fables. You're never spiritually neutral. If you reject the truth, uh, you basically are going to get confused. You're going to turn to fables. You're going to turn to lies. We have a world, spiritually speaking, that is as confused as a termite and a yo-yo. They don't know which, which way is up, and it's getting worse and worse because they're they're placing their faith in something, but it's the wrong thing. You will always place your faith in something. Even, even atheism is a religion. Now, in Mark eleven twenty two, Jesus answered and said, S- have faith in God, basically. Have faith in God. Where's our faith to be? It's not in a positive feeling. <laughs> there are some people and they say, well, I, I feel positive about this. I have faith about this. That's not faith. A faith is not optimism. Now, I'm optimistic. I like optimistic people. I don't like to be around pessimistic people. There are some people, they brighten up a room by leaving it. All right? I'm not one of them, okay? And that's not faith. It's not optimism. Faith is not some some leap in the dark. You know, there are some folks and they talk about, keep the faith, baby, you know? And they're clueless. Because that's not faith either. And, and and faith is not having faith in your baptism. There are folks who say, well, I, I'm going to heaven by faith. I have faith in my baptism. No, have faith in God, not your baptism. Faith is not in a denomination. And there are a lot of people that think they're in the one true church and they think they're going to heaven because they have faith in that denomination. That's not what Jesus said when he said, have faith in God. And so there are a lot of people who have faith, but it's misappropriated. It's in the wrong thing. Have faith in God. Now, what is faith? Well, look back in verse 1 again here. It says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for. Notice the word substance. What's that word mean? Well, it means uh, assurance. It's a rock-ribbed assurance. It means confidence. Faith is the assurance, the confidence of things hoped for. It's actually a Greek word that means title deed for something you haven't seen yet. Have you ever bought something sight unseen have you ever bought something and they handed you the title deed I have and you haven't even seen it yet but but because you have that title deed you have a a confidence and you have an assurance that you own now this thing here that's what it means here in the Greek literally it's a confidence it is an assurance of what you have here it it says we we have faith because faith is a substance of things hoped for notice that word next hoped for Hope. We use the word hope and it, it might happen, it might not happen. But in the Bible, the word hope speaks of something that is for sure. You can know it's going to come to pass, like the rapture, like the second coming of Christ. What we read in Titus 2 and verse 13 looking for that blessed hope and the glorious appearing of the great God and our Savior, Jesus Christ. The rapture and the second coming of Christ is not a maybe so, hope so kind of a thing. It's a sure deal. It is a no-so thing. So that's the way hope is used in our Bible. So it says here that faith is the substance of things hoped for. It is the assurance or the confidence of something that is a sure deal and the evidence, notice, of things not seen. Now let's talk about that word evidence, which means proof. Proof. It's the Greek word elenko. And it says, this is the proof of what we can't see. Faith is the proof of what we can't see. The evidence of things not seen. Somebody says, well, pastor, seeing is believing. And, and I refuse to believe what I can't see. I've talked to folks like that. If I can't see it, I'm not going to believe it. Well, that's a lie as well, because everybody believes in things they can't see. Do you know that in this room right now, there are radio waves that are playing music and do you know that in this room right now there are television waves that are sending out images? And did you know that there, there's in this room right now cell tower transmissions going on? You can't see them. And there's satellites doing things, sending them to this earth. And, and there's internet stuff, the wireless stuff and all that. There's, there's all kinds of things taking place in this room right now that you can't see. They're invisible. Bible says in Colossians 1.16, for by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are in earth, visible and invisible. So we know according to the Bible, God's created things we can see, but God has created some things we cannot see. And by Him were all things created that are in heaven and that are earth, visible and invisible. So there's another world and we can't even see it. Uh, you know, we have our, our five senses. Uh, We talk about, uh, you know, what we can see and feel and touch and taste and hear and all that kind of thing. But there are some things we can't hear and we cannot see. There are dimensions outside of our dimensions and, and there are fifth and sixth and seventh and eighth dimensions. And so really, really faith is believing what God says about the invisible world. And faith is also believing what God says about the future. That's faith in a nutshell. And so our text says without faith it's impossible to please God. And true Christianity, friend, is not based on what we can see or what we can feel or what we can touch or signs or wonders or things along that line. There's so much religion out there that's based on on what they can see, a sign of some type. And there are people who will fly around the world and and try and see a a statue bleed or a a statue cry, you know, and and, and go to some of these pilgrimages to see some of these things. And they'll speak with strange sounds and and they want to feel their religion. They want to see a sign and they want to see a wonder. Well, notice in chapter 10, just a couple of verses back here of Hebrews, Verse 38 says, Now the just shall live by faith, not signs, not wonders. The just shall live by faith. Somebody will say, well, well, preacher, don't tell me it's not real, because I've 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 seen the supernatural. I've seen these signs, and I've 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 sought after these wonders. You know what Jesus said about that in Matthew 16:4? He said, A wicked An adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. Why is that wicked to the Lord? Because it's the opposite of faith. Hebrews 10.38, The just shall live by what? Faith. Not signs and wonders. A wicked and adulterous generation seeketh after a sign. And faith is not a sign. Secondly, faith is not an emotion. Faith is not a feeling your emotions your feelings are the shallowest part of your nature where whereby faith on the opposite hand is the deepest work of god and so god doesn't do his deepest work in your most shallow part you understand you follow me it's important that we realize that don't live your spiritual life under the fickle fountain of feelings because your feelings are continually changing they're changing Your emotions are changing. Your feelings are changing. This world is into feelings. Have you noticed that? I mean, they really like to talk about feelings and and sing about feelings. I was thinking about all the songs from my past this last week uh, about feeling. Feeling groovy. You remember that one? Yeah. Feeling groovy. And, And here comes that rainy day feeling again. And hooked on a feeling. And more than a feeling. And you've lost that loving feeling. And then there's old Barry Manilow who's trying to get the feeling again, right? And then there's just plain old feelings. Yeah, (laughs) nothing more than feelings. We live in this touchy, feely society and it spills over into our religion, doesn't it? We, we really are into the feeling. And I'm not against a good feeling. I, I, it feels good to feel good. Amen? And I'm not against that. But let me just say, feelings are fickle. And stuff goes wrong. So faith is the opposite of, of signs and wonders and emotions and feelings. Faith is also the opposite of logic. Logic. We can be so logical. You know, at this church, over the 25 years we've been here, there, there have been a lot of things we've done that were not logical. <laughs> You're sitting in one of them right now. There have been a whole lot of things that were illogical, And we could have really hamstringed ourselves by not stepping out by faith. I'm thinking of a young preacher right now, and, and there have been steps of faith he could have taken, but, but he was so calculated. What happens is you miss openings. You miss openings. God gives us these openings that we can leap into in faith, but we miss them. You know, I think of the uh, example in the Bible where Jesus fed the 5,000. There was this crowd there of thousands, and he, he's testing Philip. He's wondering, Philip, how are we going to feed all these people? We read about in John 6 and verse 5, When Jesus then lifted up his eyes and saw a great company, he saith unto Philip, When shall we buy bread that these may eat? Philip answered him, 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient for them, that every one of them may take a little. Notice Philip. And this is typical of Philip if you study the man. He's always carrying a calculator around. <laughs> There's no doubt that Jesus asked him on purpose this question. Phil, Philip, what are we going to do with this? And it's not like Christ is stumped. The Bible tells us he knew what he was going to do. But here's Philip, and he's calculating. He's punching figures out here, and he comes up with this, this 200 penny worth of bread is not sufficient to feed all of them. We're never going to feed this crowd. And he did his calculations, but you know what he left out? He left out God. That's the problem with a lot of Christian people. We, we calculate everything, including, including tithing. You know, the Bible commands us to give the Lord the tithe, but, but we do the math, don't we? And we say, good night. I, I, I add this, and I carry that one, I do this kind of thing, and, and there's no way I'm going to be able to tithe. Have you added God into the equation? Have you calculated God in? Did you bring God into your calculations? Years ago, Charles Ketterling was the the head of General Motors. And whenever he needed something figured out that had puzzled him, he would call all his engineers in for a meeting. And he'd put a table at the door going into the room with a sign on the table that said, Leave your slide rules here. Because he said, inevitably, they would come in, and you know you know engineer, you know, and, and, and they would sit down, he'd describe the problem, and without fail, one of them would pull out his slide rule, and then eventually stand to his feet and say, you know, boss, this just won't work. So he said, leave the slide rules at the door. You know, there's some Christians who need to bury their slide rules and start living by faith. And the Lord here actually rebuked Philip in a nice way for this. We find here the words analysis of faith. Verse 1 says, now faith is the substance of things hoped for, the evidence of things not seen. So we see the words analysis, but secondly, we see the wise attitude toward faith. The wise attitude toward faith. Many years ago, Adonira Jepson actually was, was on his way uh, someplace in the world, and he was uh, He was in a boat, and they were sailing by, I think it was the western part of Indonesia, near the island of Sumatra. And all of a sudden, uh, there was a knock on the the cabin door of Adonai Judson, and it was the captain. He was desperate. The captain said, we're not uh, moving. In fact, we're drifting. There's no wind, and we're heading toward this island. And there's heathen on it. And he said, I think they're cannibals. And he said, we need some wind to get out of here. And Judson said, if you'll set the sails, I'll pray. And the captain said, there's no wind. I'll look like a fool to the sailors. He said, no sails, no prayer. He said, okay. So he went out and he set the sails. And Judson went to, to praying. And uh, a little bit later, there was another knock on the door. And it was, it was the captain again. And he said, you better stop praying. He said, we have more wind than we could handle out here. That's faith. That's faith. Set the sails. Now, notice verse number three here. It says, through faith, we understand that the worlds were framed by the word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. You know what this verse is saying? God made the visible out of the invisible. And if we had time to go to Genesis, we could study that. But skeptics come along and they say, prove there's a God because I can't see him. Prove there's a God because I can't hear him. Well, look, if you can't figure out there's design behind nature, and if you can't figure out that there's intelligence behind the universe and behind the human body, then forget it. Honestly, just forget it. You're you're, you're refusing to look. Besides, notice verse 6 here of our chapter again. It says, But without faith it is impossible to please him. For he that cometh to God must believe that he is. Plain and simple. Faith honors God, and God honors faith. You say, prove there's a God. Well, God doesn't need me to defend Him. God doesn't need you to defend Him. The burden of proof really lies in the lap of the skeptic, of the cynic. It's His to prove. I mean, how did we all get here? I mean, it takes more faith to believe that, that nobody times nothing equals everything. You know what I mean? How did this all get here? And, and with its design behind it. Obviously, there's somebody very intelligent out there and very powerful that spoke this all into existence. Somebody says, uh, prove there's a God? Well, it's up to you to prove it. It's, it's your soul. It's your eternity. Uh, you do the math, all right? Prove there isn't a God. The finite cannot prove the infinite, plain and simple, never have been able to. And, and Job put it this way in Job 38.4, where was thou... When I laid the foundations of the earth, declare if thou hast understanding. God's talking, and He says, where were you when I created everything? If you know it all, you know, fill me in on this thing here. So the skeptic accepts by faith there is no God. Plain and simple. All people are believers. Some believe there is a God. Some choose to believe there isn't a God. But we are all believers in some way. Somebody says, well, I I don't have the faith to believe in God well, I don't have the faith not to believe in God. Furthermore, in Psalm 14.1, it says, The fool hath said in his heart, there is no God. They are corrupt. They have done abominable works. It doesn't say the, the free thinker hath said in his heart, there is no God. It says the fool. It doesn't say the, the intellect hath said in his heart, there is no God. It says the fool. This is God talking. This is the Bible talking. God is a supreme fact. The supreme foolishness is to ignore that fact. And the Bible says, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. So not only is God the supreme fact, not only is not believing in God the supreme foolishness, but it's the supreme evil. It's evil. Lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. Now, faith is not unreasonable. It's just beyond reason. It's just beyond reason. But it's the only way to please God. Notice again verse 6. But without faith, it is impossible to please Him. Someone says, well, God, if you just manifest yourself to me, okay, then, then I'll believe in you. Nope, He's under no obligation to do that. He will not do that. Nope. You're going to have to trust by faith what God says in His Word. Uh, Thomas demanded to see. Remember that? Unless I see it, and and, and the Lord rebuked him. The Lord rebuked him for that. Now notice in verse 3 again, it says, Through faith we understand that the worlds were framed by the Word of God, so that things which are seen were not made of things which do appear. Bottom line is, we're going to just have to take God's Word for it. You know, unbelief is not a head problem. It's not an intelligent problem. It's a heart problem. It's the the problem of the heart. It says, lest there be in any of you an evil heart of unbelief. Not head, an evil heart of unbelief in departing from the living God. There are 7,500, over 7,500 promises in this Bible. And you can refuse to believe them or, or you can say, I do believe them. So if you're having a trial... And God makes a promise in His Word how He deals with trials. You can believe Him or you can doubt Him. If you're having a problem with tithing, like I mentioned a moment ago, and God says, I'll rebuke the devourer, I'll open the windows of heaven, I'll pour you out a blessing, you can believe that. You can doubt it. Bottom line is, it's an evil heart of unbelief. So we see the words analysis, we see the, the, the wise attitude, and finally, let's talk about the wonderful appropriation of faith. Faith doesn't operate in the realm of the possible. It wouldn't be faith if it did. We want it to, but God deals in the realm of the impossible. And and faith begins where man's power ends, plain and simple. Because that's the way God gets glory. I mean, if we could do it, God gets no glory out of that. And when we bypass faith, friend, we have problems. You know what happens when we bypass faith? We worry. We worry. You know that... Worry is a mild form of atheism. It's the bottom line. Let's just be honest. If if you're worried today, you're not believing God. You're not trusting God. You're not living by faith. You're saying, this problem is too big for God. While the Bible says, is anything too hard for God? Plain and simple. So there are a lot of problems when we don't have faith. There's, There's worry. There's also guilt. There are a lot of people who are living lives in guilt. They did something. Here's this weight upon them. It's like a corpse they're carrying on their back through life, and they just can't shake that thing off it because they're living with this guilt of their past. When the, the Bible and faith say that Jesus paid it all, the blood of Christ washes away all sin. So why live in guilt? The Bible says in Romans 5.1, therefore being justified by faith, we have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. You don't have to live in guilt. Because you're, you get, you're justified by faith and when you are, you have peace with God through our Lord Jesus Christ. It's called salvation and it involves faith. We find here Christ talking in Acts twenty six eighteen, giving us a description of His ministry. He says to open their eyes and to turn them from darkness to light and from the power of Satan unto God that they may receive forgiveness of sins and inheritance among them which are sanctified by faith that is in me. By faith, that is in me. Have you ever been sanctified by placing your faith in the finished work of the Lord Jesus Christ? Jesus called it being born again in John chapter 3. Now, after you're born again, how do you live? Well, in Hebrews 10.38 again, the just shall live by faith. So, how do you grow in faith? If we're to live by faith, how do you get it? How do you get more of it? Well, Romans ten seventeen says, So then faith cometh by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. Plain and simple. Faith comes by hearing the Word of God. It's exactly what you're doing right now. Hearing the Word of God and growing in faith. Many years ago, uh, I think it was Hudson Taylor, was laying in a, a jail in a foreign country And he had 38 pounds of of shackles on his ankles, and he was tied to a bamboo pole that went through this rotten prison that he was in. And one of his, his fellow prisoners said, So how does the prospect of reaching the heathen look now? And Taylor shot back and said, It's as bright as the promises of God. And that's it. Faith comes by hearing, and hearing by the Word of God. And in the Word of God, we find thousands of promises. Do we believe them? Do we believe God? That's the bottom line. Now, how do we live by faith? I had that asked to me this last week. Uh, one of the college students said, how do you stay excited about uh, about the Lord? And I said, well, it, it's a very exciting life. It, faith is so exciting. And the Bible describes a life of faith. In fact, if you turn to chapter 12... Hebrews 11 is full of all these examples of faith, and then it comes down to giving us really the analogy of faith in the beginning of chapter 12, and it tells us that the Christian race is an exciting one, because it's just that. It's a race. It's not a shuffle. <laughs> it's not a mosey. To watch some Christians, you'd think maybe it was, but it's called a race in the Bible. And it's exciting, because with the race, there's a, there's a destination, There's a finish line. There's a reward there. We find in Hebrews 11, the hall of faith or fame, but then we get into chapter 12 here and in verse 1, it says, Wherefore, seeing we also are compassed about with so great a cloud of witnesses, let us lay aside every weight and the sin which does so easily beset us and let us run with patience the race that is set before us. Now, what kind of a race is that? Well, it's a race of faith. And it's telling us here that we ought to be motivated by the saints who've gone on to heaven before us, those who've died with their faith in Christ, those who are watching now. Uh, we're surrounded by this this ring of honor, this this glorious gallery of the godly who are watching us from heaven. And they're cheering us on. There's Noah, and there's Elijah, and there's there's Daniel. And that ought to motivate us. Now, notice also some things mentioned in verse 1. It says, let us lay aside every weight. Notice that in the middle of the verse. What's a weight? What's a weight? A runner takes the weight off his ankles when he's ready to sprint. What's a weight to us as God's people? Well, it's not necessarily a sin. Sin is mentioned afterwards. A a weight might be something we really could do without. It's not a black or white area. It's a gray area. It's something questionable, something that uh, we don't have to have in our lives. It's not doing us any good. And there are, there are those who will protest and say, well, is it wrong? Well, that's kind of kindergarten Christianity, isn't it? I mean, there are a lot of things that we could say, well, well, is it, is it black and white and so on? Well, there's good and there's better and there's best. What do we shoot for? Right or wrong? No. We shoot for better or best as God's people. So it's a weight. It's a gray area. It's something we really don't need, something that we could do without. And the Bible says if we're going to run by faith, get it off. Get rid of it. Then also in verse number 1, it, uh, it mentions not only the weight, but it says, and the sin which does so easily beset us. The sin, we know what that is, keeps tripping us up. It does so easily beset us. Every problem when it comes to faith is a sin problem. Somebody says, I can't believe because uh, uh, I'm, I'm an intellectual. No, you're a sinner. You're a sinner. That's the bottom line. That's why you don't believe. It's not a mental problem. It's not an intellectual problem. It's a sinful problem. If I had time to go through the Ten Commandments right now, I'd show you, it's not intellectualism. It's a sin problem. Plain and simple. Try repentance, okay? Try repentance and faith. That's the cure for sin. Repentance and faith. Repenting from a hardness of heart. And even God's people after salvation can lack in faith because of sin. We have some things in our lives, we have some weights, we have some sins. They're easily besetting us, and they're keeping us from having our prayers answered. They're keeping us from going forward and having uh, the love of the Lord in our heart and a fellowship with our Creator that God wants us to have. So we're to lay it aside. We're to be done with it. We're to move on, plain and simple. God does business with those who mean business with Him. And so we need to get to the place to where we say, I mean business. As God's people, maybe it's time we step out by faith. Maybe it's time we live by faith. Many years ago, there was kind of a a settler crossing during the days of the Old West, during winter, and and he was trying to make his way trekking westward, and he came across this body of water that he couldn't get around or across, but fortunately it was winter, so it was froze over, and and he he, uh, looked at it, and it was kind of in in, uh, the early winter, so he wondered if it was safe to walk across. And so he got down on all fours, and and he began to crawl, and it was a long way across, and the sun was setting, and and a a wind started howling, a a storm kicked up, and he he had spent probably two hours crawling on his his hands and his feet to get across this frozen lake, wondering if he was going to go through, when all of a sudden he heard this singing behind him, and it scared him there in the the dusk, and and he turned around to see these four horses (laughs) carrying this big sleigh full of lumber, and the driver was singing as he went, and he just went right by him how would you feel hee-haw hee-haw you know (laughs) but that's like a lot of Christians who are on all fours kind of crawling when it's time to walk yea run by faith when D.L. Moody that great Christian of the latter 1800s was on his deathbed his sons were gathered around him and he made this statement he said boys if God be your partner make your plans big if God be your partner, make your plans big. I love that. Hebrews 11, verse 6 says, But without faith it is impossible to please Him. For he that cometh to God must believe that He is, and that He is a rewarder of them that diligently seek Him. That's our text. That is what I call living above sea level.
1: Amen and amen. You've been listening to Pastor Tony Skeving of the Fargo Baptist Church in Fargo, North Dakota. If you would like a CD of today's message, you can obtain one by sending a gift of $2 to Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. That address again, Fargo Baptist Church, 3303 23rd Avenue South, Fargo, North Dakota, 58103. We hope you'll join Pastor Skeving next time right here on Pulpit Power. Pulpit Power is a production of Heaven 88.7.